0: without further ado, Chris Ann Hall received her bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Blackburn College and her Juris Doctor from the University of Florida. She served in the U.S. Army as a military intelligence cryptologic linguist. Prosecutor for the state of Florida for nearly a decade. Chris Ann also worked with a prominent national First Amendment law firm where she traveled the country defending Americans whose rights were violated by unlawful arrests and prosecutions. She has written six books on American history and the U.S. Constitution. Chris Ann is a regular consultant on numerous radio, podcasts, and television programs. Without further ado, Chris Ann Hall!
1: Rise and shine, liberty loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L lcom where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So happy to have you with me here today. JC and I are uh, not live with you today because today, We are traveling to Texas. Traveling to Texas because tonight I am giving Constitution training in Gainesville, Texas at 7.30 p.m. You still have time, or 7 o'clock p.m. You still have time to register for this event. It is not just simply Constitution training, but this is specific. Meet and greet. Ask the Constitutional lawyer your questions. There will be food. Yep, yep, yep. Not only that, we have our weekend training. Uh, in defense of liberty, which is sold out. So you can come to the Constitution training tonight, uh, but the weekend training is sold out with Larry Stevenson, but you need to make sure that you keep up with com and know when our next class is going to be. We do this more than once a year, and this year we sold out quick, uh, over and abundantly sold out. By the way, you can't see that right there, but if you look at that picture, I don't know if you see my little cursor moving there. There's my assistant Sunny right there in that picture, and there she is in this picture, and uh, so <laughs> Sunny's in the background of the studio. There, see, so she goes because that's that's because I made that picture. That's why I'm in that picture. <laughs> I tried to talk Sunny into joining us for the show today, but she was not up for being in front of millions of people this morning. <laughs> Calling her out. That's okay. We're uh, we all have mornings like that. So we are uh, actually flying to Texas as well. Actually, by the time you this airs, we will be doing the training Um, because uh, well, that's eight o'clock, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So I digress and ramble all at the same time. So we will be in Texas as you are watching this show just in full disclosure to make sure that everybody realizes that we are not live. Cause I know that we have some people that get upset when they don't know that we are not live. So there you go. Just trying to make everybody happy. Don't get angry. Stay calm. You know, don't worry, be happy kind of thing. It's the weekend. We should all be that way. Uh, good news guys. Uh, Joe Biden Gave his first Public national address Yesterday and also In full disclosure I did not watch it But I don't need to watch it Because we have CNN And CNN is going to Tell us everything that Biden Said that's simply not true (laughs) Is that Awesome thank you CNN For being our fact checkers You are so awesome And then you get to tell us what's true and what's false, please. So the good news for CNN is that Joe Biden's delivery was only 24 minutes. And I found what was absolutely even more hilarious, because you see up there, first facts, fact checking Biden's first primetime address. This is what caught my eye in this article President Joe Biden delivers the first primetime address according to CNN out of Washington of his term on Thursday night lamenting the devastation caused by COVID-19 over the past year and touting his plans to help cut the country recover. Yay, where's that thing? Oh, JC doesn't have it up here anymore. Our little our little audience clapping video has disappeared. Well, we're going to have to find that. Oh, there it is. So thank you, Joe Biden, for coming to our rescue to save us from the bodies in the street. You know, I hate that I have to do this because we've become such a bunch of Oversensitive, triggered, reactionary people with a lack of ability to actually, you know, be in touch with reality. I know not you guys, right? But there are people out there, and every time they sprinkle into the audience, uh, I, I, here's here's my disclaimer. Every death is a tragedy. Every loss of life is a tragedy. But let me tell you something. COVID-19 does not amount to national devastation. Okay? Let's stop using words like devastation. Okay? I just I, it, it is it is this hypersensitive com- this this hypersensitive community that we have established in America that has made us soft and almost and practically incapable of dealing with actual tragedy with actual devastation. I I don't even know when was the last time Americans actually experienced devastation? um, I'll I'll leave that question up for you to answer. You can answer that yourself. But this was the part of the CNN fact-checking article. Woohoo! Thank you CNN for being our truth. So, Biden's speech, CNN says, which ran for just shy of 24 minutes, did not include a large number of fact-checkable assertions seriously chris stop with the applause button but is that not hilarious i need one of somebody doing like a belly wrenching laugh they only let biden speak for less than 24 minutes And they only let him say things that were completely and totally irrelevant and outside of any factual assertion. (laughs) The man is a train wreck. And I say that with the greatest amount of love in my heart. Bless his heart. He is a train wreck. But you understand that's on purpose. Right. He is a train wreck on purpose because we've been saying this and from the get go, Biden was placed in the office of president for the singular purpose to usher in a new era of of uber progressive socialist. And then, you know, the moving into the anarcho-communist reign of America, the revolutionary anarchist reign in America by ushering in Kamala Harris as president. I'm just sort of envisioning what that's going to look like when Joe Biden is declared unfit. And here's, here's my prayer, okay? This seriously is my prayer because one of two things is going to happen. They're going to declare Joe Biden unfit under the 25th Amendment or the man is going to pass. Whether by natural causes or proclaimed natural causes, one of those two things is going to happen. They're not going to let him stay president much longer. Now, they're going to let him stay as long as they can need to to set up the chain of events That will happen when Kamala becomes president. But he is only there by practical necessity at this point. So my prayer is actually that Joe Biden will be declared unfit, incompetent by the 25th Amendment, because I don't want to see these people snuff Joe I don't. I, I I want Joe as much as he has suffered from elder abuse in the last year. No, no, no. What you're seeing should be classified as elder abuse, with with Joe and his family and the Democrat Party. I and and I say that from the most legal ass point because I believe beyond a reasonable doubt, at least beyond a preponderance of the evidence and, and absolutely beyond clear and convincing evidence that what they're putting Joe through is elder abuse. So I say that in the most unofficial official language that I can. So I would love to see Joe rewarded for the abuse that he has suffered by allowing him to live out the remainder of his life in peace and happiness so that's my prayer for Joe, that they simply declare him incompetent under the 25th Amendment so he can go on and live his the remainder of his life in peace. The man, you know, I, 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 I think he is a a repulsive person. I think that he is a uh, just just a terrible person uh, from a personal aspect and from his behavior and who he is morally but I am praying for Joe Biden's soul, and I am praying that he can live his life in peace. And maybe someone can can reach Joe and have him repent of his of his sins and, and and find Christ in the last few days of his life. Maybe he can then go on and 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 be happy for the last few days or whatever time left he has. So that's my prayer. I don't want to see anybody. Die without Christ And I don't want to see Joe Snuffed Seriously, I don't want to say that But it's that's just the way it is So the good news is Biden's speech Was less than 24 minutes And Biden's speech Didn't say much at all The question becomes Are they going to Make Pelosi Or Schumer Or Harris Are we going to have, here's a question, as we transition into the Harris administration, will we see the first ever vice president address? I'm just saying, it could soften the transition. If they say, you know, we're going to have, we're going to start a new tradition, because we have a new vice president, not a vice president who's a figurehead. She's a strong woman of political prowess and great brilliance. We want her to be the spokesperson for, I don't know, ABCD. Let's, let's, let's embrace this opportunity that we have. The first American woman, right? Right as vice president of the United States. And there you have it. Now we embrace that by making her the uh, spokesperson. And we get to actually be the transition, experience the transition from the Biden administration. And then people will be used to seeing her. See, that's how manipulation works. That's how brainwashing works. It rarely is this slam you in the face with a change. It's always the gradual thing. So I suspect, you might notice you might be able to foresee rather when the transition is about to occur because they're going to do an actual transition. So you'll start seeing more of Kamala. I mean, you're already seeing more of a vice president now than you have in many different kind of situations. Right? So here we have that. Oh, how about this one? This one. um, as we're spending all of our time worrying about people who actually didn't destroy property at the Capitol, we, I mean, we're having massive FBI. Now you have Merrick Garland, who is going to be, as he promised, heading up a wide and sweeping investigation of what happened on January 6th. You now have, uh the the revolutionary anarchists, which are different than regular anarchists. So my anarchists out there who who self-identify as anarchists, this is not you. This is the violent wing. The revolutionary anarchists are back in uh, play in Portland. Let's watch this little news clip and here's what I want to show you. so so watch this news clip and then tell me, okay, Exactly, because I go back and I will be watching. As a matter of fact, I might actually be watching the chat room right now. I have to record because we don't have a place to record, but I, I will likely be watching the chat room. So if you see me speaking and you see messages pop up at the same time when I'm speaking and you see both my hands and I'm not typing, it's because I'm on my cell phone watching with you. So I'll be in the chat room as well. So in the chat room, tell me i want to see who can be the first person to identify what's what's wrong with this newscast so here we go
0: and breaking tonight federal officers and protesters facing off once again just days after the fence surrounding the downtown federal courthouse was taken down we're following the action as they return after damaging that same building earlier today at 10 o'clock good evening everyone I'm Jeff Giannola.
1: And, there you go, guys. I'll give you one more chance because I'm not watching you right now. But I'm sure somebody already else has figured it out. Listen very closely.
0: And, six news, breaking, news alert. and breaking tonight, federal officers and protesters facing off once again.
1: Da-da-da-da! You get it! Yes! Congratulations, protesters! Hello! You are not a protester, If you are destroying property and you are violent, that is not a protest people. That is criminal activity. Yet once again, we have the media conflating the terms of criminal and protester. Why? Because they want to brainwash the people to think differently about how we see things. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Eric Holder back in, in I, I'm just, in 1995, right? Eric Holder back in 1995 gave this little speech before a university. And let me see if I can find this on YouTube. Uh, there we go. Nope. It's not it. I'll, I'll, I'll look this. I'll pull up YouTube and, and find it. That way we can get exactly what we want here. So Eric Holder. There we go. We'll find it. All right. There we go. Do I, I want the short version? This one. All right. So let's. All right. There we go. So Eric Holder in 1995 gave this commencement speech and I want to share it with you so that you can see uh, the the mechanism. Because we've been talking about manipulation. We've been talking about uh, propaganda. We've been talking about the government manipulating us and the media manipulating us. So this is how it works. Let me show you because this is exactly what you're seeing with this conflation of terms between protester violent criminal right remember if you're destroying property or you're hurting people you are not a protester you are a criminal but they keep talking about that news report protesters and the f uh, and the federal police you know whatever whatever word they used but this is this is the brainwashing tactic watch eric holder give this now this is 1995 now um let me just lay, just set this out there for you. Eric Holder was uh, nominated and appointed during the Reagan administration. So don't talk to me about the difference between Republicans and Democrats, especially when it comes to federal prosecutors and federal judges. Uh, If there's any any proof that there's no difference in these two establishments? It has to be seen, most obviously in the federal appointments. So don't don't tell me about you know the difference because there isn't. So listen to what Eric Holder has to say.
0: I've also asked people who have influence over youngsters, uh, entertainers, uh, athletes, to be involved in this program as well. But not only them, community leaders, uh, Jesse Jackson. Mayor Barry, people who have credibility with young people should be on the television, on the radio, uh, as much as we possibly can, and telling these youngsters that it's wrong to carry a gun and that if you have information about people who are carrying guns, you've got to share that with Chief Thomas and with his people as
1: well. See that? With people they trust, why do you think they're always using the media to deliver propaganda? Because, not you guys, obviously, but the general public, Trusts the media to deliver to them news. The general public actually trusts that journalists are actually journalists who are actually delivering truth about what's happening. Right? I'll remind you this isn't that journalism as a tool of manipulation and propaganda is nothing new. You have Jeff- Thomas Jefferson writing in 1807, nothing can be now believed which is seen in a newspaper. Right. So, even back in 1807, the journalists were engaged in the propaganda of, of manipulating the people. So, let's, I'm going to back up just a little bit here and then we'll, we'll finish out this video because this is a gun control campaign in 1995 targeting young people. Why? Because young people control the household. If you don't believe that, then you don't understand marketing. You find any marketing guru and they will tell you that the most powerful way to sell a product is to target the young people in the house because the young people in the house actually control the purse strings more than mom and dad. Now, you might say, oh, well, not in my house. I'm sorry you are simply not aware of your own human nature. It is a fact that everything that we buy, when we have children in the house, everything that we buy that is an extra, is, is, is a comfort or whatever, I won't say everything, but the majority of things are to provide to our children because we are inherently built with this mentality of I want my child to have a better life than I had, right? Right? So in in unconsciously, our children dictate our spending, our our luxury spending practices. And I say luxury, not like, you know, Maserati luxury. I mean, luxury above basic needs. Yeah. First world problems. Right. So marketing, marketing experts know target the young people in the house and you will have access to the funds. And this is what they're doing in this gun control, targeting the young people. Watch this.
0: That it's wrong to carry a gun and that if you have information about people who are carrying guns, you've got to share that with Chief Thomas and with his people as well. Uh, I've also asked the school board to make a part of every day some kind of anti-violence, anti-gun message. Every day, every school, at every level. One thing that I think is clear with young people and with adults as well is that we just have to be repetitive about this. It's not enough to simply have a a catchy ad on a Monday and then only do it every Monday. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way.
1: Brainwash people people to think about guns in a vastly different way. Brainwash people to think about guns in a vastly different way. Well, guess what? We're also going to brainwash people to think differently about protest and who are the protesters in a vastly different way. So let's just, let's listen to this brainwashing. One more time, please, because that's exactly what this is. Oops, sorry. (sighs) Chrisanne, wake
0: up. Breaking news alert. And breaking tonight, federal officers and protesters facing off once again, just days after the fence surrounding the...
1: Federal officers and protesters facing off once again. Okay, that is not a protest, guys. That is violence. Why do they conflate those terms, by the way? Why do they conflate the terms of protest and violence? Two reasons, two reasons. Number one, so they define the terms. So you can say that people who are actually invited into the Capitol by Capitol Police are insurrectionists, violent criminals, And then look at pictures like this, where you have people, you know, and and not maybe this picture, but we've seen the pictures, right? The pictures of who are the protesters, who are the violent insurgents, who exactly is doing the protesting in America, right? We conflate those terms so that they can have their people, right? I'll show you this. Let me show you what a protester is not, okay? All right, this is not a protester. This is not a protest. 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 And this is not a protest. These are not protesters. They are criminals. And they are conflating these terms on purpose. Why? So they control the definitions. So Antifa and BLM are are protected in their violence. Because it serves their purpose. And two because their purpose is sowing chaos. You see, chaos is is the currency of politicians. Chaos is the currency of media. You see, let let me show you something about human nature, okay? When we see scenes like this, We don't think, oh, we need to unify the community. We need to get together and hold some some community-led training. We need to get our churches together to unify for a public message and public training on how we deal with these, these political issues that make us angry. When we see these pictures, we're not thinking about what we do as a people or what we do as a church. Come on now. If you got an honest bone in your body, you know what I'm telling you is true. The first cry is not what can I do in my community? How can we band together and crowd share to help these businesses recover? And then how do we reach our communities so these things never happen again? That's not our first thought. Our first thought is government. What are you going to do to stop this from happening? Government. What are you going to do to fix our people, to fix our businesses? You see, these people profit from chaos. The media profits because you can't stop looking at it. Why? Fear and distress makes you watch the news. It's a, it's an inherent human nature thing. Why? Because your your brain is taught that if something is bad and something is scary, you have to watch it so your eyes are on it. So if it comes at you, you can hit that fight or flight, right? It's a precursor to the fight or flight. It's about situational awareness. And so the media has this mentality, has this policy of if it it bleeds, it leads. And therefore, we have to keep crisis on the TV because people have to know crisis. They want to watch it because it's a precursor to the fight or flight within us. We watch the danger so we know if it's coming at us. So media profits off this, but politicians profit off chaos because our instinct isn't, what can I do? Our instinct is, government, what are you going to do for us? So that's why they conflate the terms. So you will think differently about what is protest and what is violence. You see, so that way they can say, Anybody who actually protests peaceably but does so to challenge what we want the narrative to be, we can now define them as violent protesters. But if they're committing violence, they're not protesters i'm sorry so if they're going against our agenda they're not protesters they're they're insurrectionists they're violent but if they're actually doing and and following our narrative then they're not insurrectionists they're not criminals they're not violent they're protesters and everybody knows that in america protesters are protected so once again you have a manipulation of the words through definitions let me show you this uh, just a little teaching moment, because remember we are a teach show and not a talk show, and there are certain w- things that I do uh, to sort of watch the progression of the of the narrative. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. To watch the progression of the narrative, there are certain clues that you can start seeing, uh, and quite often they're they're global indicators. What I mean is you'll start hearing things repeated throughout the, uh, narratives across the world. And you'll watch them. If you watch the trends, these narratives, which are actually oftentimes the exact same thing, the exact same speech, uh, given, I mean, do I have to show you how this works again? Uh, I want to let me, yeah, let me just go ahead and do that. Cause I want to show you that I actually did a little mini documentary on how the narrative is dictated. Now I'm going to put it up here on YouTube so that you can see it and watch how this works. You're going to be able to see the, the, the title. You'll know that you can watch it by going to my YouTube website and we're going to show you this. You're going to be able to hear it, too. Um, I'm, I'm really kind of disappointed that... And I know these numbers are not real, right? But YouTube says we've only had a 1,000 people view this. Look, guys, this needs to be viral by standards. I realize that for the general population, 23 minutes is a little bit long. Um, but... <laughs> You know, you watch your TV shows that are longer than that and you learn nothing at all. Uh, How many people watched Joe Biden speak? Am I, this this educational documentary is actually about the same length of Joe Biden. So don't tell me that the people can't watch this. That's ridiculous. So I wanna show you just something really quick because remember what you have is that the, House Subcommittee of Communications and Technologies is holding hearings to define truth, not so they know what it means, but so they can regulate lies. Let's watch this really quick.
0: Each encourages us to ask tough questions about what is going on in the media, what is motivating the tidal wave of disinformation, that is putting the lives of so many Americans and ultimately our democracy at risk.
1: Now watch this. That's what they're trying to tell us, that the motivation is false news, false narrative being repeated. But let me show you the end of this documentary so you can see what exactly is happening. I'll show you these last few minutes. There we go.
0: All the other members and whoever is, whoever is speaking before the committee, they will be using the same phrases over and over. Again. This is entirely coordinated. disinformation. And the freedom of speech encourages us to ask tough questions about what is going on in the media. What is motivating the tidal wave of disinformation that is putting the lives of so many Americans and ultimately our democracy at risk? And facts and consequences don't matter to those who report them our democracy is undermined uh let me put it bluntly uh misinformation is killing americans and damaging our democracy because it may help us solve a very dangerous problem and we owe it to our constituents and to our democracy to examine how and why disinformation is being aired on traditional media and social media.
1: Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley, and I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure our Valley communities, the El Paso, Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid
0: Michigan communities.
1: We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS Four News produces. But we are
0: concerned about the irresponsible, one-sided one one news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media More alarming, some media outlets Publish these same fake stories Without checking facts first
1: Do you realize that's the same thing That they're saying in the House uh, Communications Tele- uh, Technology subcommittee they're, These journalists, which this was Actually taken Uh, before and after this subcommittee meeting, a compilation. And what you have is the same narrative over and over again. Listen. ...sharing of biased and false, false news, news has become, become all too common, common on social media. On social media. ...more alarming some media, some of the media has made the same things we are true without checking facts first.
0: first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their, their platforms, platforms push to push their,
1: their, their own personal biases bias and agenda, agenda to control to the exactly, exactly what people think. And this is this extremely... Check this out, guys. Fox, CBS, NBC you have abc fox all of these guys saying the exact i mean not just not just a similar narrative the exact same words this is how as eric holder said you use trusted faces to brainwash the people. How many people do you know believe that Fox News is, the, is really the only trusted news source? Dangerous
0: to, to democracy. Democracy. dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
1: This is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
0: This is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
1: This is extremely dangerous to our... Well, you need to go to my YouTube channel... And you need to share this video. It's called Proof Coordinated Narrative to Silence Conservative Speech. You need to share that today. You need to share it and you need to show people what we're dealing with. This changing of definitions is part of this narrative. And I want to show you something that I've identified that now, well, whether it comes to fruition or not, if we will see this spread or not is, is, is something different, but there are certain things that, that are alerted in my spirit when I see this. Okay. So this first popped up in my, I'm going to share it this way so you guys can see it better. This first popped up in my radar, this headline right here. I don't know if you can see it. I don't support a 6 p.m. curfew for men. The minister on women's safety after Sarah Everett case. Well, if this minister, now this is in England, right? This is, this is the, uh, a, a uni- the university minister in England, Great Britain, I don't support a 6 p.m. curfew for men. Well, obviously, she is answering or responding to something that has been presented to her. And so when I saw that headline, I don't support a 6 p.m. curfew for men, I thought to myself, huh, is this the new feminist narrative? Because remember we're in national intermen- uh, in- international international women's history month. I know we had a day, but the whole month of March is now women's recognition month. And you have this resurgence of of the, you know, the fake feminists coming in and then and it would not be un- it would not be Unbelievable to me, it would not be beyond belief for me that these feminine, these fake feminazis would be preaching that because men are a violent and unreasonable portion of society, that men should be curfewed and women not. But I found it very interesting because that's not exactly what she said. Okay, so let me just read this to you. This is from the Telegraph. University Minister Michelle Donelan has told Nick Ferrari, women should, quote, women, quote, should be able to walk on the streets and feel safe, unquote, but does not support a curfew restricting the freedom of men or women as she suggested to the House of Lords recently. Notice her statement was restricting the freedom of men or women. However, the media narrative says for men, a curfew for men, a 6 p.m. curfew for men. And that's what I found very interesting. So I started searching the Internet for this message of men are violent, men need to be in curfews because men commit crimes against women more than women commit crimes against women and women are a protected class. And we need to, you know, it's, it's a paradoxical message, right? That, Hey, I am woman. I am strong. I am powerful. I am mighty, but I need the government to protect me and to limit the liberties of other peoples because I'm too weak to take care of myself right so what i found was in this I, you know what i do is like pull little clips from these articles and and i i actually google search the very words right and so what i what i thought was this narrative is going to be that we have to curfew men we have to restrict men because women should be able to walk the streets and feel safe So I Googled that to find out where I have it. And yes, lo and behold, I now have not only uh, a separate journalistic medium, the Times Union, uh, who is now, because the first one was the Telegraph. This is the Times Union. Not only do you have a second... uh, the I don't not only have a second media outlet doing this but we now have a completely different person in the B- British government repeating these statements people should be able to walk on the streets and feel safe now you know the narrative this is a call For curfew and control of the people. Because I initially thought, oh, well, it's not about, it's just about men. But when you, I mean, the very same statement should be able to walk on the streets. Remember, she says, no, 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 it's not about men, right? We want to be careful that we don't get into a blame game against men. That's what the statement says right here, Donalyn says. No, because it really isn't about men. It's about controlling people. Because you see, once you seed fear into the hearts and minds and the souls of the people, there you have it. You can capitalize on that fear in so many different ways. <laughs> it's just incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. How this is all panning out. It's fascinating from an anthropological Perspective. I'm a. I, I've told this, told you guys this on on the radio show many a times. I'm a closet anthropologist. I love communities. I love human nature, and and I guess maybe that that gives me an interest in psychology. But psychology only in the perspective of group, mob, community mentality. I love culture, on um, which is the good part of anthropology. But this is also fascinating, watching how people can be. Subjected to manipulations they don't even see. I'm just totally fascinated by that. Maybe because I am a historian, and this is what history is history is watching the movement of people, the psychology of people, how people react to situations. Because a historian, a true historian, knows that history always repeats. Because human nature never changes. That's why Patrick Henry said, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know no way to judge the future but by the past, right? So this is just absolutely fascinating to me. Maybe it's not fascinating to you, but it's absolutely fascinating to me. The last thing I want to cover today, this is Friday, so I have to make sure that I stay on time. We have a show that on one of our networks that carries us uh, that will come on, uh, precisely at, and if I find myself run over, what we'll do is we'll just say goodbye to that format. And then, you know, they can kick us off and we'll keep going here on YouTube and Facebook and whatever. And so the next thing I want to talk about is the COVID-19, uh, bailout, right? V-19. I should just call it the V, V, right? Uh, anyway, the V, the V bailout, now, DeSantis says that the bailout is a relief bill. Oh, I am so annoyed at the Internet today. Can I please have an Internet provider, a search engine that will suck out all these annoying advertisements that pop up while I'm actually trying to learn something? If you want to talk about what's annoying on the Internet, that's what's annoying. It's it. I feel like... I feel like I'm being invaded in my most private places, these pop-up things. Sorry, just venting for a second. Anyway, um, I should be able to read what I want to read without being visually and auditorily assaulted by something I don't want to see. It's just a thing. So anyway... DeSantis criticizes the federal V relief bill as bailout for the blue states. I'll be honest with you. I have not done a deep analysis of this V bailout because it's irrelevant what they're spending money on. Everything they're spending money on is completely and totally unconstitutional. I guarantee you there isn't a single thing that your tax dollars are being used for in this bill that matches or complies with an actual delegated power but what i you know what i've been doing lately is is using the fact checkers just because they're incredibly amusing to me right so i find this little fact checker thing and i'll switch over to the fact checker now so the fact checker says, uh, let's see, where are the fact checkers? There we go. Nope, that's the wrong fact checker. The fact checkers. The fact checkers. This is the fact checkers. The fact checkers from the Gazette this time. Sometimes we get CNN, sometimes we get Newsweek, sometimes we get something else. Uh, Fact checkers, is the next COVID-19 relief proposal a blue state bailout? Now, what's interesting is how they manipulate reality here, right? So if you're on your phone, you're not going to be able to read this. If you're on your PC, your tablet, your whatever, your iPad, your computer, you might be able to read this. I'm sure you can if you're on a bigger screen, but I want to just tell you what this sa- says. Basically, they're saying so the analysis here is: is it a blue state bailout? Now, what's interesting is it says uh, the fact checker excluded Nebraska, which has a nonpartisan unicameral legislation and used national conference state legislature data on state party composition. So we have to keep it purely political, right? Based on parties, not based on actual ideologies. So that's what they're saying here. I always find those little things amusing. So Republicans argue that tax dollars should not be given to blue states to, quote, bail them out for policies such as business shutdowns, they say, led to high unemployment, steep revenue declines, or for histories of budget mismanagement that has left them less capable of handling pandemics. Now, let me just break off here for just a second and tell you there is absolutely nothing false in that statement. Nothing at all. Uh, if you deal with that from a from a an historical, a, 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 a society, cultural perspective, the the cities, the states that are run with the Democrat ideology. Right. This is not a party thing, which is why this whole party thing annoys me. This is not a party thing. This is an ideological thing. So the ideology that drives the majority of those who identify as Democrats—if you do your studies, you do your math—those cities, those states are are in poverty, in decline, unemployment decline. The businesses flee them because the ideology is overregulation and redistribution, stealing from one to give to another. So. Don't argue with me that this is a Democrat thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's an ideological thing. It just so happens that the people who identify as Democrats hold this, this, this business community destructive ideology. You can go through a whole laundry list of things. The destruction of the family destroys society. The destruction of private property ownership destroys society. The, the redistribution of wealth ideology destroys society. The victim narrative that is driven by this ideology destroys society. So there's like a whole laundry list of things that have been adopted by these people that self-identify as Democrats. It's not a Democrat thing. It's an ideological thing. And you want to label it because remember, go back to our, our propaganda study. You have to label the us and them. We can't actually identify the culprit, which is the way we think and the way we want to operate in the ideologies. We have to make it an us and them. So just to, to keep in line with our teaching mechanism here, right? Ten blue states, according to the Gazette and Washington, report a revenue loss in 2020 amid efforts to curb the spread of COVID-19. And so did 13 red states and four split states. If this bill, this bill, if passed, would send aid to all states whether or not they lost revenue. But the formula for allocating funds takes into account each state's share of the nation's unemployed workers. The average unemployment rate for red states, which is the new us and them term, right? it's not democrat republican it's red and blue why because our we we just can't handle the complexity of democrat republican we have to be my team is red your team is blue I, I, it's just a human nature thing as our attention span decreases so does our intellectual capacity to deal with complex situations so unemployment rate of 5% for red states And an unemployment rate of over 7.5% for blue states. There you go. Is this a bailout for blue states? On average, these governments lost less revenue but have higher unemployment rates. Well, doesn't that kind of make you ask a question? If they have higher unemployment rates but lost less revenue... Then, number one, where does their revenue come from? It's not coming from the workers. They're not working. And number two, if, as this says, the bailout is based on the nation's unemployed workers, not based on the actual revenue, then why are then then the blue states are actually getting a bonus because they didn't lose revenue, they just have greater unemployment. See, the bailout's not based on the loss of revenue, it's based on the number of unemployed workers, which, you know, there you go. And then they go on to say, but, you know, it's because these places are the largest, most populous cities. And the bottom line is they're making excuses for this. They're not telling you that this is not a bailout for red state or for blue states. They're not telling you this is false. What they're saying is that we want you to ne- think that it's false when in reality it's actually real, but we want to show you why it's justified that the blue states get more money, even though typically they didn't lose revenue at the rate of the other states. Because you see, in the other states, revenue is actually a tied to employment. In these states, the government's revenue is not tied to employment. The government's revenue is tied to Federal funding To uh, regulatory activities. So in the blue states The revenue is tied to government money In the blue states In the red states Revenue is tied to actual prosperity of people So when you shut them down When you tell people they can't work When you tell people they can't have businesses because I'll remind you, during the shutdowns, they, those blue states, those blue counties, those blue cities were still holding these people accountable for their taxes. So this is a revenue-gathering thing. Okay? A revenue-gathering thing. So why do blue states not lose money when people don't work? Because blue states don't get money off unemployment. Blue states get money by stealing from people through government funding. That's how that works. So why don't I read this? Why don't I even bother with giving you an analysis? I mean, the analysis is shocking. The analysis is what we do. But here's the real reality. Everything they're doing is not authorized by the Constitution. And you need to read. Please, please, please. This is a teach show and not a talk show. So I am assigning you homework. Read this article at chrisannhall.com. General welfare clause, James Madison's warning, is not about money because all of this bill is premised on the idea that this spending is authorized because of the general welfare clause. This spending is authorized because, guess what? Ha! the General Welfare Clause says that we have an obligation to take care of funding for the people. That is not what the General Welfare Clause means. That is not what the General Welfare Clause is about. And you need to read this article about the General Welfare Clause, which teaches you what it actually means. And I will, I will end with, with this statement from James Madison. If, our, if you lost our net, if our networks are leaving you, then, then you'll have to come to YouTube or Facebook or ChrisAnHall.com to catch the rest of the show. But this is how this works. You ready? The drafters of our Constitution knew the inherent dangers in a federal government unlimited by its own design. Listen to what Madison says. If Congress can employ money indefinitely to the general welfare... And they are the sole and supreme judges of the general welfare. They may take care of religion into their own hands. They may appoint teachers in every state, county, and parish and pay them out of their public treasury. They may take into their own hands the education of children, establishing like manner schools, Right throughout the union, curriculum dictating curriculum. Madison is saying if your government is violating the constitution and doing what they're not entitled to do, they'll start telling you what to teach your children. He says they'll may assume provision for the poor. He is saying an out-of-control government is a government that feeds house and pays the poor. He says, for every object I have mentioned would admit the application of money and might be called, if Congress so pleased, provisions for the general welfare. You have to go read this article because you have to know reading this bill is pointless because everything they're using, everything they're spending money on is completely and totally contrary to the Constitution. Absolutely, totally and completely. So that's the end of the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. We will see you on Monday from Texas.